The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Welcome to another day, another show of Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Happy holiday, Kwanzaa, the whole shebang. I'm joined, as usual, by Mario Bertanzi of the Sports pyramid.com and he wasn't with us last week but uh great to have him back mario what's going on man nick it feels so good to be back it just didn't feel right last week you know like i i wasn't myself i i can tell <laughs> you weren't yourself but you know what man we're we're back at it and better than ever baby this is our this is our third show together three times a charm man After this, it's just going to be, this is arguably the best show you can hear on voiceamerica.com, dude. We are, we just compliment each other so perfectly. Ebony and Ivory, baby. (laughs) Ebony and Ivory. So, so which one would I be? You know, which one am I? Hey, you know what, man? I, I, I'm not, I'm not playing that game since you're, you're the (laughs) professional here and you know, you got, you got the experience on me. You could be. Either ebony or ivory, whichever you prefer. Well, you know what? No matter which one we chose, uh, we choose to be. Uh, it's always great to have you on and the chemistry that we have uh, together. You know, uh, last week, you know, we were talking and we were talking about Christmas. You know, Christmas took place yesterday. Hope you guys had a wonderful uh, Christmas and celebrated with your family. And you know, tell the people the story uh, that that you were kind of reminiscing uh, about as far as uh, a Christmas gift. Oh, man. Well, when I was younger, it was all about Legos. And what I think is so cool now, Legos are making a comeback. Um, I, I still remember there was there was one Christmas. We used to do Christmas Eve with the extended family. And then Christmas morning, we would open presents from Santa and then the rest of our immediate family. And there is this one particular uh, Lego set that I wanted. It was one that it was the first kind that actually had wheels and it would drive on its own. And that was what I wanted more than anything, man. And I, and I go through and I open up all the presents under the tree and I'm happy, but I'm like an eight, nine year old kid. And I'm like, the, the one thing that I wanted is not here, but you know, I, I was raised right. And I was raised to appreciate everything that I got. So deep down, I'm thinking, wow, this is terrible that the one thing like Santa, Santa let me down, man. He lets you down. And, my, and I know. And then my parents pull the, oh, wait, uh, there's something in the garage. And I just know <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, here we go. Hell no. So I sprint out to the garage and there it is, this huge box that was as big as me. And I tear that thing open and there it is, the one Big thing that I wanted. I was like, Santa, get in, let me. Oh, 
That's what I'm talking about. That is what the Christmas spirit is all about. Getting what you want. <laughs> well, you know what? While I enjoy that uh, rendition and reminiscing, that wasn't quite the story that I was hoping that you would tell to the people. Wait, remember, which one are you talking about? Okay, remember the story. We're, we, I'm coming out of the locker room, and uh, I see you standing outside with everyone else, and it's just like, uh, hey, man, you know, what was that? Oh, I, okay. Yes, that, that's okay, the story right. I wanted okay. to to elaborate on. I thought you were wondering about my own personal life. You just want to hear a story about you. That's cool, man. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> you are involved, you're, you're involved in the story, so it's not just I'm about kidding. me, it's about you too. All right, Ivory, just calm down. Uh, so after after one of your games, I'm in, uh, in by the locker room with my dad, and all the players are coming out, and... For those of you listening, Nick was the consummate professional. He was the most cool, the coolest, most down-to-earth guy on the entire team. You know, win, lose, draw, any any outcome of the game, Nick was Nick, and he was just an awesome guy. He always had time for everybody. And, man, I, I used to remember Nick was the most sharply dressed player on the team, at least from what I can remember. You know, and he would always come over, say what's up to me, and as a – you know, 12, 13-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid. I was loving it, man. I was like, man, this professional athlete, he's so cool. He's got these nice threads. But I remember thinking, dang, I don't know what kind of cologne he's got, but this man smells good. And not in, not in like a weird way, but in like a, they, hey, I got mad respect for him because he smells nice. And it, it's not, it, you don't have to make it a weird thing. And I remember asking Nick, hey, man, for Christmas, you know, can I get, can I get some of that cologne? And you were like, yeah, dog, I got you. There's no problem. I was like, oh, I'm going to have the same cologne as a professional football player. That's yes, what's sir. up. And I'm yes, sir. still waiting for it. Well, well I'll tell and you what, Mario. Normally, I wouldn't jump out there and, and you know toot my own horn. But it's always better if someone can say some great things about you. So I appreciate that. And I'll let you know. I, truth, I, I, I have no, no, no. I haven't forgotten about it. Thank you for reminding me. I'll get on that <laughs> a, a, as soon as possible because I know how suave you are with the ladies, and I don't want to disrupt any of that. But uh, you, you, we have a big show. Bring it all together is smelling like the Nick Ferguson. <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. It's just, it's just sounding weird. I know it's sounding weird. So we got to, we got to reel it in here. Well, you know what? If you want to get into conversation, 888-346-9144 gets you into the conversation. I'm joined by Mario Vitanzi of the Sports Pyramid, as always. And we were just reminiscing over our holidays and even going back to those Denver Bronco days where, you know, Mario said I forgot to include him in the Christmas festivities, which I'm going to jump on right away. But we have a big show. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, Candlestick Park. And remember the career of... Uh, Tony Gonzalez, not as though he's gone off the face of the map, but uh, his season has been pretty much derailed by the Atlanta Falcons not really becoming a team or doing what they did the previous year. So uh, we'll jump into some stories about Tony Gonzalez. So we have a huge story show uh, ahead of us. Uh, uh, Mario, let's jump into it, you know, really quick. You know, the playoffs are right around the corner. There are some huge games that are slated for uh, this upcoming weekend. And it's that type of week or type of year in the season where we're talking about win or go home. And, you know, for two teams. This is my favorite time of the year, man. 
Yeah, for every time of the year. And two teams that come to mind. You have the Eagles at Dallas Sunday night and then Green Bay at Chicago. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the Eagles in Dallas. Right now, Tony Romo is, uh, he hasn't been listed as being doubtful or probable for, for the game on Sunday. And, and I think the Dallas Cowboys and Jason Garrett are trying to hold this closer to chess and not reveal what they want to do. But, you know. Absolutely you, right. Your dad is, is a chiropractor and one of the best uh, in, in the nation. Now, talk to us about, you know, the, the herniated disc, how that could possibly limit Tony Romo, if all, if they do allow him to play in this game. Now, in my opinion, from what I'm seeing, I think that the Cowboys just don't want to show their whole hand. If they had every intention of playing Tony Romo at any, like, at all possible, they wouldn't have brought John Kitten in. They wouldn't have, you know, been giving Kyle Lord in the first round, the uh, first team snaps. This is one of those situations where because it's week 17, because it's the NFL, everything is on the line. He's there. Jason Garrett is trying to Belichick them right now. So he's trying to leave Tony Romo out there and bait them so that they're prepping so that they have to prep for Tony Romo, John Kitna and Kyle Orton. I would be absolutely shocked if Tony Romo ended up playing. Now, Nick, we we go back and forth on, you know, the laugh factor and everything about the Romo effect. And he keeps throwing the picks. (laughs) But, But bottom line is, my man, his back finally gave in. From carrying that team. Now, you can say what you want about Romo. Does he choke when the game's on the line? Absolutely he does. But it was Jason Garrett and the defense that was putting him in the position he was in. There's no reason that defense gives up that many points to a Green Bay Packers team on their fourth quarterback in the second half at home. Did Romo throw the interceptions? Yes, he did. Right. Both of them were great plays. Sam Shields made a great break on that first one. And the second one, Cole Beasley ran his – he stopped short of his route. Obviously, you're going to blame Romo, and the numbers speak for themselves. You talk about a law of averages, not with the Dallas Cowboys. I would Again, I would be shocked if Romo ended up playing. Jason Garrett just doesn't want to show his hand. They're already at a disadvantage. They barely beat a three-win Washington team, a team that honestly, who's on their backup quarterback now, who has one of the worst secondaries and worst defenses in the NFL, and they hung with the Cowboys in a game that they had nothing to gain from. Then you flash over to Philadelphia, who's playing, honestly, a good Chicago team who has everything to play for, who has their starting quarterback in Jay Cutler return to the starting lineup, and they get mopped with. The Philadelphia Eagles could not have beat them worse than they did. It seemed like a college team was out there on the field with them. They had absolutely no answer for LaShawn McCoy. They had no answer for Nick Foles. They had no answer for anything that the Philadelphia defense did. And it was just baffling that we see these teams that could, it's like, win and you put yourself in this great situation and they're just getting mopped up. Same thing happened in Baltimore. They got, they got destroyed by the Patriots. So we're seeing this trend. It's like, it's very confusing to me. I've been racking my brain for the past week preparing for this show, trying right. to come up with a reason that these teams are not showing up for these games that they have to win, and it's just blowing my mind. So well, I think I think that the Cowboys, they saw they saw what happened obviously last week with the Eagles. The Eagles are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Their offense is clicking, their defense is getting pressure on the quarterback. I think they're just trying to get a last gas of some sort of an advantage 
over this team before they welcome them into the house that Jerry Jones built and they just get sent the hell home like the last five seasons in the NFL. I think think, the Eagles are going to destroy this team. I think it's more of not just Jason Garrett just uh, looking out for the health of Tony Romo. I think this part of this uh, situation is unfolding and coming from uh, upstairs with Jerry Jones. With him paying out so much money to Tony Romo, he has to make it look good for the Dallas Cowboy fans. Because when you talk about that defense, that defense gave up 253 points. And when you're giving up that many points on defense, it is hard. I don't care who you have on offense, and I don't care who you have at the quarterback position. It's going to make it really difficult for Absolutely. you to win. And then you and talk about Tony Romo, who's coming into this head. game. Yeah, he's he's limp- basically he's limping into the game. Now I, I know I give him a lot of uh, you know a flat you know the Tony Romo effect. I mean he he has in in critical situations not come up big, but I have to give it to him. In the, in the game last week with the herniated disc. He did a good job, showed some toughness. Gutsy performance. Gutsy performance, standing in there throwing, throwing the ball. I thought, once again, we were, we were set to see one of those another collapses by the Cowboys. But unfortunately, or, or fortunate for the Cowboys, they were facing the Washington Redskins, who, might I add, they don't play great defense either. So it helped them out. They're in this big game. And when you look about the fact of the Eagles going into Dallas, yes, they lost earlier this season. And I know some of the Cowboys fans are – you know, resting on that, saying, okay, well, we beat them early in the season. But let's take a look but at you know, why that happened. That was a completely different Eagles team at that time. Right. And I mean, Foles that was when Nick got went down. That, that Barkley was behind center. Yeah, Nick Foles went out of that game early with, with a, a head injury. And then also Michael Vick came in, pulled his hamstring, and Matt Barkley had to come in. So when you look at this, yeah, you can say you beat the Eagles, but you didn't beat the Eagles at full strength. Because when you look at the Eagles uh, and where they are, uh, have been since week nine. Let, let me run this down for you. Points per game, number one. Yards per game, number one. Rush yards per game. And you got Shady McCoy in the backfield, number one as well. And they're turning the ball over, I think, since that, that point in week nine, only four times. So Nick Foles is playing the best football at the quarterback position opposite you know what, Peyton Manning. There was talk for a while, Nick, that he was in the discussion for MVP back a couple of weeks ago when he had something like 19 touchdowns and zero interceptions. Still looking at that team, you, you got to figure, obviously Manning is a finalist for the MVP. Maybe you throw in Russell Wilson there because, you know, the team in Seattle's winning. Maybe Jamal Charles. Do right. you put Nick Foles into that conversation at all? Obviously he hasn't played the whole year, but th- the importance that he has had to this team where everyone thought – this Chip Kelly system is completely catered to Michael Vick. This is the best thing that could ever happen to Michael Vick. Turns out that, you know, after week one, they completely fall off. Foles takes over. And now not only, not only are they the best team in their division, in my opinion, not only are they a playoff-worthy team, this is a team where if everything is clicking, they can make a serious run in these playoffs. And they're going to get a game at home. How much of... How much of Nick Foles are we going to talk when we're talking MVP? I mean, obviously, it's, it's predetermined with the season Manning is having. Right. He has to win the MVP. But how many votes does Foles get? Do you think he's the runner-up here? You know, obviously, he, he is. Uh, when you look at how the NFL views the quarterbacks, it's, it's uh, an elite quarterback. I don't like to use that term. Uh, a lot of people loosely use that term. I don't like that. I believe in elite teams, not elite quarterbacks. But when you look at what he's doing, and you mentioned it earlier, 
you said the fact that he hasn't been playing that long. Michael Vick started, he came in, and when he came in, you have to look at from that point what had ha- what has happened with the Eagles team and how they turned around, not just on the Everyone offensive side of the ball. Everyone thought that team was dead in the water, man. Right. But, Everyone but, but, thought that team was toast. Yeah, but when you look at what they did on the offensive side of the ball and how it translated and, and, and just kind of the culture and the landscape of what they were doing on the defensive side of the ball, they started to believe in themselves, and then they got that home crowd, and that was something that they didn't do early on in the season. They were winning on the road, but they couldn't win that home game. And because they won that home game, now they're playing with a lot of confidence. Of course, looking at what Peyton Manning's done, you know, uh, doing right now, breaking uh, Brady's record of 51 touchdowns on the year, superb. And then also knowing as though he has carried that team just as much as Romo has been carrying the Dallas Cowboys. Absolutely, There's no way you can overlook Peyton Manning for the MVP this year. I know he lost out last year to Adrian Peterson, but clearly the front runner on this, but you have to talk about Nick Foles in that conversation when you look at his body of work and what he's been doing uh, for the remaining of the season. He's got the Eagles primed to go to the playoffs in Chip Kelly's first year, so you have to talk about him in that capacity. And if his first name is Nick, you know he's a baller. Absolutely. He is a (laughs) a, a baller. Now, we have one minute left until the break, so uh, I'm going to ask you, usually we do this at the end of the show, but I'm going to ask you to give me an early prediction between the Eagles winning on the road at Dallas. The the Eagles are absolutely going to win this game. I, I, I don't see Tony Romo playing in the way that the two teams played last week. They're coming off completely different highs. Philadelphia has all the momentum in the world. Everything is clicking. And it, history repeats itself, man. We've seen this year in and year out. We shouldn't expect anything different. The Cowboys are not going to go to the playoffs. I'm sorry. They, they're not going to win that division. Not with everything that's going on there. And if Jerry Jones wants to know what the problem is, he needs to look in the mirror. Well, you're joining Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective. After the break, we'll talk a little bit about Tony Gonzalez and reminisce on the ballpark that is no more, and that is Candlestick Park coming up after the break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. 
quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Happy Holidays. As usual, I'm joined by Mario Vitanzi of thesportspyramid.com. And before we went to break, we were breaking down the huge games and when to go home for the Eagles at Dallas and Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. Uh, now, let's jump back into uh, talking about the, the playoff race. Uh, huge game, Green Bay Packers and Chicago Bears. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, we'll probably later on today, will be determined if he will be able to play in that game. I don't think they should uh, take a risk, Mike McCarthy. Uh, you, you don't take that risk with your franchise quarterback. Even though you're trying to get into the playoff, you want to have him long-term. But they also, you can expect to see Randall Cobb back in the lineup. He's been out since... Uh, breaking his leg against the Baltimore Ravens earlier this season. And the Packers will be without Clay Matthews with a broken thumb. He's been ruled out. So how does this change the the landscape for the the Packers versus the Bears, in your opinion, Mario? You know, right now they're they're listing Aaron Rodgers as questionable to go. He was taking first-team snaps, and keep in mind – hits his non-throwing shoulder. So while I completely agree with your point and, you know, McCarthy, obviously this, this guy knows what he's doing. They brought him in, only took him a couple of years to win a Super Bowl. He's, he's got everything figured out that he's handled that team extremely well through all the adversity they faced this year. But honestly, if there is any possible chance that Aaron Rodgers can play, you know that he's going to want to play and you I mean, you have to tip your hat to Matt Flynn. People can give him a hard time for going to Seattle and getting beat out by Russell Wilson, then going to Oakland and getting beaten out by Terrell Pryor and Again. whoever whoever else the guy there. But he he belongs in Green Bay. So if Aaron Rodgers can go because and I'm only saying this because it's his non throwing shoulder. If if he destroys his non throwing shoulder and they lose this game, then he has all off season to to recover. I and it's going to be an easy recovery because he's not throwing oh. the ball with that shoulder. In my opinion, this NFL business, and you know better than anybody, Nick, the business is winning. And but, what option gives you the best chance to win? If it's Aaron Rodgers, no. you have to play him. If it's Matt Flynn, you have to play him. And especially at a city like Green Bay where the people own the team, there's not an owner. That's a, the whole community. All of Green Bay their population is all Packer fans and Packer players. I totally disagree because Aaron Rodgers, you're paying him an enormous amount of money. He is the highest paid quarterback 
in the NFL right now. Your franchise is resting on his shoulders. Literally, you're talking about a guy maybe a year ago who was leading the team in rushing, the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. So when you talk about putting him in the game, even though it's on his non-throwing shoulder, you know a quarterback needs every ounce of movement. He needs his footwork, and he needs that torque and be able to throw the ball. So if he's throwing the ball and he has the whip and, and follow through, that, that, that's going to hurt his shoulder. And then now you're running the risk of a the, the team that he was injured against, the Green Bay Packers, licking their chops and say, well, we can play the same game against Aaron Rodgers, come off the edge, and maybe Julius Peppers drives him into the ground and then, you know, now you're talking about the shoulder that's fractured. Now you're talking about adding more damage to possibly put him out for a long but then you of time have, But then he has next nine year. months to recover anyway, or four or five months to recover anyway. I, I still, I don't I'm agree with that. Like, okay. The, Matt Flynn has done a good job, but after what happened to Chicago last week, I feel like they can handle it one of two ways. They are either going to bounce back and say, you know what? We are going to respond to this. We did. We came out flat. We know what we did wrong and it's going to fire them up or they're going to go home with their tail between their legs. You put Aaron Rodgers in there. You keep that fear in the Chicago no. bears. Even if he's not full strength, you have Matt Flynn in there. What, what are, what is there to fear with Matt Flynn? Just the thought that Aaron Rodgers could be under center is going to throw them off mentally, in my opinion, especially after the, the game that they had last week against Philadelphia. But you need talking, to get, no. take any advantage that you can. And having Aaron Rodgers there, just thinking that he's going to play, automatically gives you an advantage. No, Okay, you're talking about uh, um, Aaron Rodgers, who, who's coming in, who might not be 100%. So you can say logically, yeah, it sounds great to have that fear, but you're talking about... Aaron Rodgers, who might be 75, 80%. Yes, Matt Flynn is not the ideal choice. You, you mentioned earlier the fact that he went to Seattle, he went to Oakland, it didn't work out for him, but he flourishes in his Mike McCarthy system. So with, with that and the weapons that he has around him, which allowed him to get that hefty payday, both in Oakland and Seattle, you, you, you rest with that. You let those players make plays for you. You're you getting Cobb back. And then also you're talking about Eddie Lacy, who's been pounding it inside between the tackles. So that's what you do. You, you take a page out of Alex Smith's book. You know, hand the ball off, put it in the hands of my players, let the playmakers make plays downfield, and then let Eddie Lacy's eat up those chunks of yards because now you're talking about a Bears defense that hasn't been that great. Now, when you talk about, well, which defenses are, are worse? Is it Washington? Is it the Broncos? Is it the Cowboys? Or is it the Bears? I think all of those defenses I just named are all front runners. So with that being said, Aaron Rodgers just needs to take a back seat. You know, we'll, we'll wait to get you back next year, but we don't want a risk of a long-term injury, even talking about four or even nine months in the offseason. And then Jay Cutler, I mean, he's one in seven against the Packers. 16 interceptions. So, so you have a chance. So there's no reason to put Aaron Rodgers in this situation. I don't think so. It's just, it's so hard for me to think that if there's a chance Aaron Rodgers can go, that he's not going to go. And the way that I'm seeing is I, I can kind of see a little bit of an RG3 response from what we saw from him last year where he knew deep down he shouldn't have been playing. The coaches knew he shouldn't have been playing, but you couldn't take the kid out. So he goes in last year, tears his ACL because of a freak 
play and the field was garbage. Aaron Rodgers is that kind of competitor. If there's any way that he's going to be able to go onto the field, strap on his shoulder pads, and sling the pigskin around, he's going to do it. And the reason that I would want him out there, if I'm Eddie Lacy or the rest of the team, you're talking about how great Lacy's been. In my opinion, Nick, far and above the rookie of the year. I don't know if there's anyone who can who can legitimately challenge him for that. He has brought the running game back to Green Bay for the first time since Amon Green and Dorsey Levens. Dorsey the only Levin. thing is, <laughs> if you have if you have Aaron Rodgers under center, I feel like there's more of a threat. Now I'm trying to look at this from the Chicago Bears from a mental standpoint strictly. If you're Peanut Tillman and Lance Briggs, would you rather see Aaron Rodgers, who is seventy to eighty percent, or a one hundred percent Matt Flynn? You you would rather see a Matt Flynn 100% over a 50% Aaron Rodgers simply because of the mind games he plays with you. So if you have Aaron Rodgers there, and like you said, getting Randall Cobb back, so he's throwing to Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, hopefully Jones will be back. Now Corliss is turning into a very good receiver. This uh, Boykin kid has filled in very nicely in the absence of Cobb. He has so many weapons now that they are absolutely going to have to account for the pass game if Rodgers is back, and that opens it up for Eddie Lacy. The Bears have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, and I think people oh, fail to realize this is not the Chicago Bears team that your father knew. This is the new Bears team that is offensively driven with a weak defense. It's the opposite of what they used to be. So if you have Aaron Rodgers on that field, I think it increases the risk of him beating you in the air, and that opens things up even more for Eddie Lacy. If, if, if I'm Mike McCarthy, and obviously I'm not because I'm not coaching the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers is in there, I'm going to run the ball 30 times with Eddie Lacy, and I'm going to run it 12 times with Starks. Because when you have Aaron Rodgers in there, the threat of passing is enough to open up these lanes. You could only have Rodgers throw the ball 15 times, but if he's throwing it down the field and you're finally sucking in the defense with these runs to Lacey and Starks, he's going to beat you deep to either Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb or James Jones. And that's the way that I see it. It's all from a mental standpoint. The Bears have to prepare for Aaron Rodgers, and you're obviously going to prepare differently for him than you would Matt Flynn. Obviously, there's a risk of injury, but here's the thing, Nick. There's a risk for injury for every single play in the NFL. Yeah, but you're so, talking about a guy. But where, but where are you drawing the line? Injury. If there's ever a game to play, it's going to be a lose, a win or go home situation. That's why you have Matt Flynn. And you, and you just proved my point by laying out the fact of the offensive weapons that they have and it, going back to the fact of this is how Matt Flynn became a household name, playing against the Detroit Lions with all those weapons. So knowing as though you have those weapons around you to take the pressure off you and you talk about a running game that has been revitalized under uh, with Ed Lacey at the running back position, that makes it that much easier for you, and you're playing against a defense that's not that great. So many deficiencies across the board. So you put Matt Flynn in. Maybe even if you say, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to dress Aaron Rodgers as an emergency, but he's not going to play. That's the worst-case scenario, break glass in case of an emergency. But you go with Matt Flynn. No, he's, he's not one of these top-rated quarterbacks, but when you have weapons like that, I mean, you, you will have a potential – to succeed. But my question to you really quickly, Mark Tressman seems like he's in a quarterback controversy. Josh McCown, 
or Jay Culler. Uh, if you're joining us, uh, I'm, on, I'm on with Mario Vitanzi of the Sports Pyramid, 888-346-9144, get you into the conversation. We're going over the NFC playoff look for this weekend, when to go home, and we're talking Packers and the Bears. So, Hey, real quick, get- Nick, while we're on the subject, tell yes. everybody where they can find you on Twitter if they want to get into it as well. If you want to get in the conversation as well, you can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25 on Twitter, or you can hit me at Nick Ferg Show at gmail.com. So, Mark and while you're on Twitter, Nick, I don't know if you saw this. Sorry, real quick, and then we'll get back into it. I changed my Twitter handle to Mile High Mario, trying to get more of that Denver feel. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it real quick, and we'll get back into it. Mile High Mario. Uh, I, I like it. I like the Mario uh, Luigi uh, logo. So uh, good job. <laughs> and and, and trans, transitioning, and speaking of transition, Mark Tressman, Josh McCow, Jay Cutler, who's your quarterback? As of now, it's got to be McCown. I understand why they would play color because that is the guy that you wanted to base your franchise and build your franchise around. And, you know, you brought in uh, Brandon Marshall and you paid that money to get him here because the two had history in Denver and they got that connection. But you know what? And I think we talked about this last week. Look at what um, look at what Harbaugh did in San Francisco last year. Alex Smith was his guy. Colin Kaepernick was completely unproven. Smith goes down with a concussion. Kaepernick fills in. Harbaugh likes what he saw more from Kaepernick than he did from Alex Smith. He made the unpopular decision to stick with Kaepernick, and it ended up bringing them all the way to the Super Bowl. So I think here, Tressman, if Tressman is in the league for three or four years and he knows how the system works and right. you know he can kind of manipulate it and he has some sort of a background, then I think he's able to keep McCown. But this is a first-year coach who's trying desperately to make the playoffs and he's trying to please the people and the organization. Now, if you're up at the top, you're saying we are paying Jay Cutler five times what we're paying Josh McCown. Absolutely. So if you're going to keep McCown in and he doesn't win, you are automatically on the hot seat, even though this is your rookie coaching year. Jay Cutler, from a keeping your job standpoint, was the more safe option. But right. as far as winning football games, I, I don't know where Josh McCown came from. He's always been you know, a very solid quarterback, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's fine. He's a very good feeling guy. He's a consummate professional. Then he comes out of nowhere. He's thrown one interception all year. He's throwing touchdowns left and right, finally gets Alshon Jeffrey involved. And, man, I, I, I just don't understand why – why you would go Cutler over McCown, except to you know because of politics. McCown was far and above the better quarterback this year, and they would be in the playoffs right now if they had stuck with him. Here's something to take into consideration. You have to look at Lovey Smith, who was the former coach of the Chicago Bears. A 10-6 record. Now, let me say that again. After a 10-6 record, he was fired. Got so, fired. So, so, yeah. so the Bears are 8-7, and, and you're absolutely right. This could be a decision that can be the pinnacle of Mark Tressman's uh, career, early career as a head coach, or it could be a disaster. You look at the, the difference between the two quarterbacks. Jay's five and five, McCow three and two. When you look at, and this is this to me, when you start break down quarterbacks, this is an important stat to really look at: touchdown to interception ratio. Jay Cutler, seventeen touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Josh McCow. 11 touchdowns, 
one interception. That's efficiency. And if you're a, court, a, a head coach like Mark Tressman in his first year, you want to make sure you make when you come in, you set the benchmark for the remaining of your career. So just just so happens you move Jay Cutler. So what? He's in the contract year anyway. So so there's no loyalty here. There's no loyalty to Jay. The only thing there's loyalty to is the franchise and the people that hired you and also the fans of Chicago. So here's a game you have to win to get into the playoffs. So be it. Go with Josh McCown. If some if someone's going to be upset, let them be upset. But I can tell you who won't be upset, Matt Forte, Brandon Marshall, and Alshon Jeffrey. Absolutely that, right. They'll be celebrating a win. So who cares? The game is about winning, not maintaining relationships. It's about winning. That's it. So, well, if it's about winning, then how come the Packers can't play Aaron Rodgers, Nick? It's different because he's injured. <laughs> he's coming off of an injury, and you already have a guy who, who, who's a game manager and Matt Flynn. So why even take take that risk? There's no, I'm just, no reason I'm to take that risk. It. I'm just trying to get you fired up. Hey, we're up against it right here at break, but why don't you why don't you give your predictions? Who's gonna get the uh the sixth spot in the AFC and who are gonna get the last two spots in the NFC? I think this Packers this Packers Bears game is gonna go in the direction of the Packers. Even if Matt Flynn does play, I love what the Packers have been doing with him. I hate what happened with the Bears last week. I see the Packers winning that division. I, I like uh, the, the pack uh, as well. We mentioned, even though it's Matt Flynn that we're talking about, just just too many weapons and the Chicago Bears defense, a lot of deficiencies, and Jay Cutler still trying to get back into that rhythm after sustaining that injury. But I, I like the Packers to, to win. Not not big, but I, but I like the Packers to win on the road in the, in the black and blue division, as they call it. Uh, after the break, we're going to reminisce a little bit about uh, Tony Gonzalez and find out what's the most fascinating events and facts about Candlestick Park that's now turning its lights out. And the 49ers will be in a new stadium come next year, uh, Levi Stadium. So keep it locked. Stay right here after the break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. I'm on as usual with Mario Batanzi of the sportspyramid.com. What's uh, up? Mario, before we went to the break, we were talking about once again that playoff race for both Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. But when I look at these upcoming schedules for week 17, th- there's some big implications of both the AFC and the NFC. So uh, right now I'm going to give you my a couple of my picks to see the teams that I think is going to win this weekend. Also, I mean, we've talked about the Bears and Chicago, so you know where I stand on that. Uh, you know where I yes. stand as far as Philadelphia and Dallas, but some other games of major importance. You have St. Louis at Seattle. Uh, I like Seattle, even though, you know, they've lost, you know, game at home, something they haven't done all season. I still like Seattle at home. I also like uh, Carolina. Agreed. Carolina at Atlanta. That's always a great divisional game between those two foes. But I like what the defense is doing for Carolina, so I'm going to take Carolina in that game. Absolutely agree. But, but a big AFC matchup between Baltimore and Cincinnati. Cincinnati has already clinched the berth. Baltimore is still trying to get in. They need Miami to lose, and they need to win as well. But I, I like uh, Cincinnati uh, at, at home. I, li- I like Cincinnati at home. And another game of uh, major importance, New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. This could be a game. Where uh, this is Smith, a clincher for the Dolphins right here, man. Absolutely. And Geno Smith is going back home to Miami where he's from. And I know he's going, he wants to have a great showing. But Miami needs this game to stay alive. And I know Baltimore is hoping that the New York Jets to come through for them. But here's the interesting thing. The Jets could possibly save Rex Ryan's job with the win at Miami. But I, I, I still I like, I like the Jets in the upset at home. I mean, on the road against Miami. I like the Jets. Ooh, see, and, and I disagree, and here's why. Okay. First off, on the sportspyramid.com, every, before every football season, I do a, uh, an analysis of the entire, how I see the entire NFL season playing out, and I had Miami as my dark horse playoff team. They were kind of a joke the last couple of years in the NFL, but I really liked everything they did with their defense. Tannehill's turned into a very good quarterback, and I, I just feel like they're not going to, end their season on two losses after that huge win against the Patriots when they had that kid. I don't even remember his name. I think it was Brown, number 31, was playing in his first NFL game, intercepted Tom Brady in the end zone to seal the win. I mean, it's it's too good of a story to end on two straight losses, right? I mean, you go to Buffalo. they're, They're a Miami team. They like the warm weather. They played way differently up there. Buffalo had their number that day. They got the Jets coming in. The Jets are another one of those teams who are very, very good at home 
and very bad on the road, just like the Dolphins are much better at home. I think that it's going to be closer than it should be, too close for comfort, and I think they win by about a field goal or maybe four points, but the Dolphins are punching their ticket as the number six seed in the AFC, just because that's what I predicted four months ago. (laughs) Well, I I tell you what, I mean, that would sound great to the Miami Dolphins fans and definitely would sound great to my father, who's been a long time. Uh, Miami Dolphins fan, but I, I don't think so. Uh, there's a lot riding on this game for Rex Ryan and New York Jets, even though they are out of the playoffs. But what better way to end your, your year by beating your division rival and playing spoiler and allowing another team to get into the playoffs? So I, I think I stick with that. I think the Jets find a way to get it done. Geno Smith at home in front of parents, friends, old girlfriends, and, and they get they get it done. Uh, uh, really quickly. Old girlfriends? Is old that who you looked forward to playing, playing in front of, Nick? No, no. The old girlfriends, the old girlfriends find a way to, to get a ticket to, to the game. So, so when, when you're playing on prime time or you're playing at home, you have to showcase your talent. You have to show them what they missed out on. You know, you missed out on this good thing. And I think Geno Smith's going to get that done. When you were with the Broncos, you went back to Atlanta to play the Falcons. You were trying to get tickets for your, your former girlfriends? No, I'm not saying that I was trying to get tickets. They were probably trying to get tickets from someone else. And you with me. No, no, I, I so, wouldn't do that. We won't, we won't tell Gladdy. It's all good. No. <laughs> but let's talk about really quickly uh, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, I mean, he, he's, he's been a sensational tight end since he came into the league uh, in 1997, drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I've had the opportunity to play against him several times, one of the best tight ends uh, and will go down in NFL history as the best tight end. He came back this year uh, after sensational season with the Atlanta Falcons, but you know injuries, deficiencies on both sides of the ball, just not working out for Tony Gonzalez. And, and I watched Tony when they lost that game to uh, the last ca- game in Candlestick, and, and I, I put it on Instagram if you want to go check that out. That's at Nick Ferguson. But the look that he had on his face, I think, said it all. I mean, for a storybook career a guy that has over 15,000 yards receiving. And, 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 and dig this, first tight end with over 1,000 catches and most Pro Bowl appearances by a tight end. Now, here, here's a list, Mario, uh, of tight ends, of great tight ends in the NFL. Ozzie Newsom, Mike Dicker, Mark Bavaro, Jay Novacek, Antonio Gates, and Shannon Sharp. So, so Hall of Fame career, best tight end ever. Uh, I love playing against the guy. And I always knew what Tony's favorite routes were. If they lined him up in the backfield, he was coming out, he was running the corner route. If they, they, if they flexed him out, he was going to run that 12 to 11-yard uh, dig route inside of the numbers. He, he was successful with it in Kansas City, still successful with it with Atlanta Falcons. Your thoughts on the Hall of Fame career of Tony Gonzalez? This you can't even put it into words, man. I mean, Tony Gonzalez, and as, as a Broncos fan, this was a guy that you just absolutely hated seeing twice a year on the other side playing for the Kansas City Chiefs because he was just unbelievably good. You you honestly could not put it into words. And I know, if I remember correctly, Nick, this is a guy that you had uh, success against for the most part when you guys went head-to-head. But, man, just Say, having oh, to oh, see oh, this wait, guy. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Back that up, rewind, <laughs> say it again for those who might have missed it. Go ahead. For anybody that might have missed that, I'm saying that my man right here, Nick Ferguson, formerly number 25 of the Denver Broncos, 
usually had his way with Tony Gonzalez, the greatest pass-catching tight end of all time. All right, I'm going. That's the show, everyone. Boys, <laughs> <we're gonna> <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but seriously, man, if we're going to talk about his NFL career, 21 NFL record, records right now. He was the first tight end ever to reach 15,000 receiving yards. He had a... Uh, the most career receiving yards for a tight end. He had the most career receptions for a tight end, most career touchdowns for a tight end, all the ones that matter. But some of the ones, Nick, and this is this is what really stuck out to me. He is the Pro Bowl's all-time leader in touchdowns and receptions. And that just goes to show what an incredible competitor he is. You know, you've got this game where it really doesn't matter. It's guys out there trying to have fun and goof around, and it's even been chastised recently, and they're trying to change the format because the players don't compete in the Pro Bowl. Right. Not Tony Gonzalez. When you have Pro Bowl records, clearly you, you might be taking it a little seriously. But, I mean, or, what can or, you say about this guy? Or, if, or, what can you or, say about him that hasn't been said already? He's unbelievable. Yeah, go ahead. Now, now, or, you know, you're the best tight end ever, which I'm not going to dispute that. Or, in my opinion, maybe you – Freeze the pocket of those quarterbacks, you know, the starting quarterback and that backup quarterback to throw you more balls. So you win the hey. game, I give you an extra $5,000 to help me get that record. Here's another, here's another stat I want to throw out, another record. Most consecutive starts by a tight end. 120 consecutive starts, Nick. Now, in an NFL game that is very physical – Every single year, year in and year out, it doesn't matter who you are, what your name is, you're always at risk to get hurt. Tom Brady missed an entire year. Peyton Manning missed an entire year. Doug Martin and Arian Foster this year have missed their entire years. You never know what's going to happen in the NFL, especially at a physical position like tight end. I mean, you are literally getting hit on every play because you are playing wide receiver as well as offensive line. So here's a guy who kept su- took such great care of himself. He's such a huge human being. He's such a big target. But he somehow found a way to stay healthy and make it to the field time after time. And I want to share this story with you really quick. Uh, I was talking to Julius Thomas, tight end for the Denver Broncos the other day. Right. And we're talking a little bit about Tony Gonzalez's career. And he was like, dang, man, how old is Tony Gonzalez? Like, 52 and I was like no he's 37 he's like he's like that that dude's still playing in the NFL at age 37 nope he's crazy he's like I'll play another he's like I'll play another six or seven years guaranteed after that I'll do one-year contracts 37 hell no so and you know you're talking about around but this is I mean Julius Thomas is one of the new hot up-and-coming tight ends right now and even he, who plays the same position as Tony Gonzalez, who idolized Tony Gonzalez, right. even Julius Thomas cannot wrap his head around the fact that Tony G is still playing football. It's unbelievable. And 120 straight starts for this guy, you cannot say enough great things about him. And from everything that I've heard about him, I've never had the pleasure of meeting him. But everything that I've heard from the players that I have met and discussed him with, including yourself, Nick, Always said he was a professional, classy guy, and went out there and did his job and did it well. Well, you, that's the one thing about Tony Gonzalez. Every time he played and laced him up, uh, you knew that you were in for 
about it. You mentioned, you mentioned the fact of Julius Thomas. Now, there, there's been an influx of hybrid tight ends, former basketball players, a player with, with basketball experience. And Antonio Gates, I mentioned earlier, Jimmy Graham, and you just mentioned Julius Thomas. All these guys had to pay homage to Tony G for revolutionizing that, that tight end uh, position. It's going to be, you know, uh, sad to see him leave the game, but 17, in the, 17 years in the game, you can't be mad at that Hall of Fame uh, career, first ballot Hall of Fame career at, at that. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left in the show. I want to get into a little bit about Candlestick Park. Uh, this Hall of Fame park, it's been standing for about 50 years, and has seen its fair share of concerts. Legendary, uh, man. Legendary games, and even housed uh, baseball games at that. I want to ask you, what is the most memorable moment you have uh, in, in your lifespan about what's taking place in Candlestick Park? All right, so really quick, I'm going to give you one that was not in my lifetime, but still something that is extremely memorable, and that was the Beatles' last performance, which is at Candlestick Park. And I mean, and, and here's the reason I want to bring that up. The thing with sports, and, and don't get me wrong, there were countless unforgettable moments that happened in that stadium from the catch to Terrell Owens catching a game-winning pass against the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs to last year Vernon Davis having almost the same or two years ago, Vernon Davis having almost the same kind of touchdown catch, but there will never be another Beatles. And that just speaks to how legendary Candlestick Park is and how momentous it is that they're finally going to take it down. So uh, as far as a football memory in, in my era, watching that Vernon Davis catch and watching him cry on the sideline, just let all of his emotions out. That is the beauty of sports and the pageantry of football. You, you, you only see these guys as, as athletes, but you don't see them as human beings. When he takes his helmet off, he wins the game for his team, and he breaks down crying. It makes you want to cry with him, man. It's a beautiful sport, and that was one of my favorite memories because I got to witness it firsthand with an appreciation of football. Well, I'll tell you this. There's two things. Game three of the World Series in 1989, and for those who were in San Francisco at the time and those who watched uh, the Oakland A's and San Francisco Giants square off, an earthquake before the game even takes place, 6.9 on a Richter scale, over 60 people lost their lives, 4,000 injured, uh, a citywide power outage. Uh, the, the A's went on later to win that series Four to nothing uh, to see to see that in Miami, knowing that we have hurricanes, that that was tragic and it left an imprint uh, on, on me. But to, to end it on a high uh, a high note, and and I'll do it this way: it is the catch, not the throw, from Joe Montana to Dwight Clark, and I'll give it to you the way that I remember it. Joe Montana scrambles back; he's looking for over his receiver. No one's open in the back of the end zone. He heaves it back. Dwight Clark comes out of nowhere with the catch. San Francisco wins. That's my fondest memory of Candlestick Park. It was if you're listening, somebody time. please get Mr. Ferguson on a play-by-play. You, you, <laughs> man, we need to be play-by-play announcers as well. Well, you know, thank you for joining us. Mario Batanzi, as always, every Thursday. This has been Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Happy holidays and have a safe new year. Until God bless, time. everybody.
again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week.